we've been studying emotions, and we studied the last couple times worry, and one thing we've noted in looking at all the emotions is that there's probably nothing that we eat or even anything we do in the way of exercise that has any more bearing on our health, according to doctors, uh, than our emotions. And that, uh, in fact, this is, are, there are some things that doctors differ on tremendously, but it's interesting to me that whether I'm reading from a medical doctor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, that this is one thing they're all in agreement on, that, uh, that many physical ailments even that we have, although they're real and they're physical and they happen, that they are brought on by the emotions. And, and the emotions are such that uh, there's many comparisons that are given. Uh, it's good to have the ability to race the engine on your car because that allows you to pass somebody when you need to pass him or it allows you to uh, get out in traffic. But on the other hand, if you try to drive your car like that all the time, your engine wouldn't last very long. And so it is with some of these emotions, the ability to have the emotion in certain situations and to use that emotion is, is actually good. God made us in His image, and the, the propensity for the particular emotion, uh, even anxiety or anything, the propensity itself uh, is actually good. Uh, and it's the way that man channels it that it becomes wrong. Another thing all these emotions have in common, and this is anger or worry or any of them that we look at, and that is emotions are the product of our thinking. Uh, and therefore, if I can control my thinking, I can control my emotions. But there, and all we have to do to show that is, is to show that anything out there can happen. Uh, my best friend can die, uh, somebody can do some terrible thing, but I'll sit in here calm as a cucumber and my heart will not go up until I learn about it. And it's when that information comes into my mind and I begin to process that information that then my body begins to react. Uh, and so it's not the event itself. Uh, it's the thinking process that takes place as we contemplate on whatever the event is. And we're going to see this is a, that even with anger, that uh, to control <coughs> anger, uh, we first control our thinking. Uh, and then a lot of what we believe has a part here. And this is one area where uh, uh, I know I would be dishonest uh, if I didn't say that uh, I've had to really work on this, that I, I, it's, it's, it's not something I think anger is an emotion that just happens. And, and it's a natural thing. You don't have to learn it. Uh, one of the earliest things we noticed about babies is they get angry. And uh, in the research books that I've read, it says the, the angriest people in the world are little babies between one and two years of age because it said life so many times is so frustrating. They're, they're so small and, and they're totally dependent upon others. And so to want something and, and to see no reason why you cannot have it and then have a bigger person that can keep that from you. And, and many times they, they have no way of letting you know what the problem is except through a display of, of anger itself. So anger is not something we, we have to learn. It's an emotion that's there. It's a response. It's something that we learn to control and, and deal with in various ways. And for any of us to think that we don't have the problem, 
Uh, all we have to do is, is go out here and uh, you wait in line for 30 minutes to buy your ticket and then some uh, discourteous, rude individual butts in line ahead of you and buys his ticket. Now, there's not many people among us that can experience that and not experience some anger. Now, what we do with that anger is something else. Uh, but if that happens, uh, if we see somebody mistreated out there, we see a bigger person mistreating a smaller person, makes us angry. Uh, and and any time that uh, we want something, and we can see no reason why we shouldn't have it, then it makes us angry. Uh, it, and you, we can just go on and on and, and give, if uh, Barbara's got the place all uh, cleaned up, we have a good relationship, but if, I guarantee you if I went out there and tromped around in the mud and got grease all over my hands and then I just tromped in here and without wiping my feet and didn't pay attention to my hands, uh, I'd have somebody angry, and I'd probably sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> so that, uh, but we we all we all have it. Uh, uh, you deal with customers, Mark, that uh, sometimes make you angry. Um, I, when uh, parents uh, uh, called me up or came into my office and they began to use bad language and to say wrong things and all, <coughs> uh, even though I may have been very calm on the outside and all, I was mad. On the inside, I was I was angry that somebody would uh, would just come in and lash out at me in that way, and so it was something that I had to control because if I didn't control it, there'd been two people hollering and and saying some things. But on the other hand, like uh, this chap chapter here is titled "Bottled Anger Can Kill You," uh, and the. Um, they point out we've got sort of a paradox here, and, and I've read the, this one, by the way, this book here is written by an atheist who looks at us as the product of evolution, so I'm going to read you a few choice statements, and then we're going to go to the Bible and look at the difference in the handling of it. But on the one hand, the psychiatrist uh, used to say that uh, don't let your anger, uh, or, or don't hold your anger in that bottled anger can actually kill you, and it can. If you walk around angry, uh, it can literally kill you because it does, it does so many things to your heart, so far as raising your blood pressure, uh, causing your heart to beat faster, affecting your organs in various ways, uh, tensing you up, and, and you just can't walk around angry for a prolonged period of time and not feel the, the consequences of it. But then on the other hand, they say, you know, it's not good to bottle it up, but yet, on the other hand, we all know that some of the worst disasters that we have caused has been when we opened our mouth when we were angry, or when we did something when we were angry. And, and then, so we, on the one hand, we've all had the experience of turning our anger loose, and then having to say afterwards, well, I wished I'd have held it, you know. So the, on the one hand, a psychologist says, don't hold it in, you know, that's bad for you. On the other hand, we've, we've all let it out. and and cause some negative things there. So it becomes something, a real dilemma, you know, what do we do? You know, we cause bad things when we let it out, and the guy says, don't, don't hold it in. Well, the atheist has a real problem here, but uh, the Bible, I believe, uh, has some very plain and, and implementable answers to the problem. Let me read you a few statements from the atheist, and then we're going to read uh, some verses around. Uh, anger is mankind's most primitive emotion. Uh, uh, it's the most obvious one. 
the most disabling, uh, while the more disabling emotions of hate and fear and loneliness can be masked, few people can hide anger. Uh, and then he goes on to say that it's so much the case that one specialist in animal behavior seriously insists that man is only a quarrelsome species of ape, the missing link between uh, the ape and, and true human beings. Uh, in other words, uh, he feels that we haven't, when we evolve to this next stage, we won't have anger. Uh, and they go on to explain how he believes that anger has been something that's been there for millions and millions of years, and then the, the logical part of our brain that allows us to love and be gentle, etc., evolved later, you know. But I mean, that's how the problem that these people have with anger. Uh, psychiatry considers it unhealthy to repress a rage, but experience demonstrates any other course will resort in remorse and reprisals. Uh, anger is the least civilized attribute of man. It springs from the oldest and deepest part of the brain, uh, a clump of lunatic cells that hasn't changed much in 10 million years. I'm reading, keep in mind, from an, an atheist psychiatrist. Uh, Freud, by the way, felt this way. Dwarfed under the huge mass of the cerebrum, the large brain mass that evolved over the centuries to enable man to reason and be kind. Uh, and he says the other part is comparably insignificant in size. Uh, normal people are in a state of extreme anger. The rest of the brain is as, he says, when normal people are in a state of extreme anger, the rest of the brain is as impotent as if it had been paralyzed. Outlandish courses of action seem reasonable and even urgent. Uh, the imagination becomes so full of schemes for revenge and destruction that humanity is wiped away. Alcohol is almost always as effective as surgery in, ta in taking out wisdom. By dulling the cerebral man, it loosens the control of anger. Uh, some human behavior experts uh, believe that man is born in an angry mood. What he said on the alcohol is that uh, alcohol numbs that part of our brain that reasons and thinks and uses logic. And so if at the time a person is drinking, he's an angry person, then there's no numbing of anger. And when the, when the sensible part of our brain, the logical part, is numb, then the anger has absolutely nothing to repress it. Uh, this may explain why that some people, when they drink, become very belligerent and bad and do bad things. There are other people uh, that when they drink and become intoxicated are actually overly generous and, and are, are, are the least apt to become angry and things like that. In other words, it may show that one has been repressing that anger where the other one is not walking around with, with all of that anger. In fact, I know when I was in the Marine Corps, one of the interesting things to me was to observe the different behaviors when people drank. And I had those people that were friends and that they would drink and they might life and cut up and, and they were very jolly. And then there were those individuals that when they began to drink, you just wanted to avoid them because you knew that they were out for a fight, that the least little thing would, would provoke them. Um, he goes on to talk about uh, the infant and how he is born with anger. Uh, talks about those between one and two. And then he says, uh, uh, tense people were born to mothers uh, who were taunt and upset during their pregnancies. Such infants, they believe, began life in a hostile mood. So if you're born to a mother who is very tense, uh, you began life in a, 
in a host in a hostile mood. And by the way, this here we're talking about is is not established fact. This is the theory of atheist uh, psychiatrists as they look at it. So the atheist uh, looks at anger, and he sees it as an emotion that is worthless, and we really don't need it, and and we cause a lot of harm, and he sees it as a natural thing that is that is there uh, from birth. On the other hand, we're going to look now at some statements about it uh, in the Bible, and note, and obviously, we have to feel before we even come to the Bible that if we are made in the image of God, then we would have to feel that everything good comes from God. And so uh, if, if uh, I can understand the atheist given his perspective, uh, I, think, I think what he's saying is logical given his rejection uh, of God. On the other hand, the Christian would, uh, would approach not only anger but anything else from the standpoint that if I am made in the image of God, uh, there has to be some reason. Uh, for that capacity, or otherwise I, I would not have the capacity. Uh, turn to, let's see, uh, we'll start with different ones. Barbara, you want to take uh, Ephesians 4.26 and then also 4.31 and 32. Uh, Jim, you want to take Colossians 3.8, uh, Sissy, 1 Timothy 2.8, and um, Mark, would you take 1 Timothy 1, uh, 19 and 20, and then 21 through 26. And then, um, let's see, uh, would you take uh, Proverbs 15, 18, and 16, 32. 15, 18, 16, 32. And um, let's see. Uh, and also, while you're there, I'll have you read 29:11, okay? But I'll give you. So you won't have to. <laughs> you so won't forget what you did. I said right. I'm not going to give you all three, so that's not fair. We'll give you three, two places, and then I'll come back to the Proverbs. Uh, uh, Proverbs 16:32 and 15:18. Read 15:18 first. Just give her one. And 16:32. It's hard to remember. Okay, though. I'll give her 15:18, and Proverbs. then I'll give. Um, I don't Alba, know what my second one is either, so don't worry. <laughs> Alba, 1632, and Brenda, 2911 of Proverbs. What was mine? <laughs> <laughs> First Timothy, something. Yeah, Give that to me. First Timothy 1, 19 and 20. What was mine after Ephesians 4, 26? <laughs> you said 19 or 21 through 26 or something. Well, they're close, so we can start. You can tell them what verses. Yeah. yeah. If you get over there, we'll get the verses straight when we get there. Well, mine's Proverbs 15, 18. 15, 18. Okay. 29. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Barbara, you want to read first? She's reading from Ephesians 4. And 26, and then Ephesians 4, 31, 32. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ to God forgave you. Okay, now notice a, a few things in those verses she read. Number one, it says, in your anger, sin not. There is the assumption there that we do get angry. Okay? 
And notice also it says, in your anger sin not, that the anger itself is neither good nor bad, according to the scriptures. That you can be angry and not sin, and you can be angry and sin. But obviously, for him to word it that way, be angry and sin not, obviously the, the general rule is to get angry and sin. Okay, and then, uh, then in uh, 31 and 32, it tells us to, to put away anger along with other things. And so according to uh, Paul writing by the Holy Spirit, anger is something that can be put away. Uh, that I, I can just simply make the choice that, that even if somebody has wronged me, uh, even if they've done something to provoke my anger, uh, that, that will be an immediate impulse. I'm angry. But according to Paul, I can actually make the decision to put it away. That it, it's something that that I can control if I want to. Okay, uh, let's see. The next one was uh, Colossians 3 8. So, what are you? But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Okay, so again, anger definitely from Paul's standpoint is something we can put away. And Paul also said, be angry and sin not, we can literally put it aside. Okay, Sissy? Uh, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Was that uh, 1 Timothy 2.8? Yeah. Oh, without wrath. Okay. The word wrath comes from a Greek word that means an intense form of anger. In other words, when... Uh, when, when you reach the point where it's wrath, we have really intense anger in, in the use of it. So, again, the warning, but from the standpoint, it's something that can be controlled. It's something that can be put aside. All right, Mark? What did it say, sissy? Why, Read it again. <clears throat> I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It's kind of odd, isn't it? Yeah, it is an odd. Talk about I mean, praying, lifting up holy hands to pray, and it says without wrath and doubting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just an odd part. Well, he puts it in the, he's probably, it sounds to me like he's taken a lot in. In other words, obviously the hands uh, can only be holy if they're not doing wrong things. And so they lifted up their hands when they prayed, and so it was like salute one another with a holy kiss. You can kiss and it not be a holy kiss. And so it should be hands that are holy and then without wrath and without doubting. And so it's like to me he's summing up, uh, you know, some parts of the Christian personality. But again, uh, the, the reason Maybe I chose the verse... not hypocrisy, not hypocrisy. Well, wrath, though, wouldn't... Um, wouldn't make that. Uh, the, the reason, the, my only concern, though, on the context was he's showing that it can be controlled. That it, it's, it's something that can be controlled. Mark? Holding on to faith and a good conscience, some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Okay, where did you? First Timothy 1, 19 and 20. First Timothy 1, 19 and 20. And the word anger or wrath was not there. 
What I've got is to be slow in First Timothy. First Timothy. First Timothy. First Timothy. Uh-huh. What? 19, 20. <laughs> Maybe you just wrote down the wrong verse. It wasn't Second Timothy, was it, Paul? Let's see. Go back to the concord. Well, yeah, but I I just sit down and read every one of them as I wrote them down. No, I read that. That's, that's why I thought you read too. That's First Timothy. One, nineteen and twenty. Yeah. Okay, let me get over. Maybe it's First Thessalonians or something. <laughs> <laughs> or first Titus. First I have First Titus. One. First Corinthians. <laughs> well. But second Timothy one nineteen twenty. I just sat down and uh, read them. No, what it's it had the verse that I had had reference to be slow to anger. Mm. So anyway I've just written I've just written down the wrong one, but it had reference to being slow to anger. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I know what it is. James. James. <laughs> James 1, 19 and 20. Go to that mark. Get it right here. <clears throat> well, that's the reason I didn't I don't even know why I wrote it. Because you said 19 and 20, and you said in tw 21 through 26. Right. Six, which, why didn't you just say 19 through 26? Because it's uh, they go together. The 19 and 20, I wanted to pause and then look at the other. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, James okay. 1. I'm James. What it is, I, I remember now. I just wrote down the wrong one. Okay, James 1, 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Okay, so again, the assumption of anger, uh, the notice that anger can bring about wrong things, but then also when he says be slow to anger, remember we said at the very first that, that anger comes about like all emotions after a thinking process. So obviously my mind can be trained to think in such a way that I become slow to anger. One, one example that you know, I thought of is that uh, how many times have you uh, had the experience of getting mad at something that you heard or thought was wrong and then you check out all the facts and you realize that you really didn't have the facts accurate. Now I've done that uh, before that I've gotten mad. Uh, in fact, I've had it, uh, maybe you have too with your own children. Get mad at something and go to correct them and then find out that it wasn't quite the way you thought. And so if we uh, have our mind psyched up to the fact that, hey, uh, I, may be, I may be wasting energy and, and all that, uh, yeah, unless I'm positive that I'm operating on the right information. And so just uh, realizing that the information that I'm mad about could be wrong. And I mentioned the guy that butted in line, that we're in line, we see this guy butt in. And the immediate response is to get angry. But again, when it says slow to anger, anger slow to speech. Slow, slow to speech, there, there may be a reason for it. Think about it. In other words, uh, uh, yeah. there may be a reason for him. Uh, you, you, you can't tell. And, and somebody may do something else that is uh, uh, wrong. I remember an experience I had in Tom's River 
where we were playing touch football between services. And while we were playing, one of the men who had a bad heart uh, he was watching the game and he had a heart attack. And so we put him in, the, I had a station wagon, put him in the back of my station wagon and somebody was giving him CPR. And I took off through town, driving as fast as I could drive, and I just held my hand on the horn. And, and I was just going right through the light. Well, somebody, the police came alongside of me, and I motioned what was happening and just hit my heart, and he got in front of me and led me in. But when I thought about it afterwards, there may have been any number of people that would have liked to have killed, thought, well, who in the world is that nut? You know, because all they saw was a station wagon with uh, a young man at that time uh, with his hand on the horn and headed through town. And so uh, the very person that I think is doing something terrible, there just may be some logical explanation for his action. And so I think that uh, a key to becoming slow to anger is to realize that uh, things may not always be as you perceive them. And what we see or what we hear is not necessarily uh, what we get in the process. And, and another thing, sometimes when people do wrong things, uh, not to excuse the wrong, but an experience, again, sometimes when you find out what happened to them before they did that wrong thing, it doesn't excuse it, but at least it helps you to understand it. And so that uh, just developing a thinking process where we realize that, I think would help us to become slow to anger. But again, it shows that we're dealing with something that can be controlled by our thinking process and we can actually educate ourselves to think in such a way that we do become slow to anger. Okay, now... I think it's interesting to note that right. it does say slow to become angry too. Again, there's nothing wrong with anger because God gets angry. But... We're going, right, we'll deal with God. And, right, right. That's the, but the the slow there, and again, uh, the only reason I can see there is there's a thinking process going where we're really evaluating this and getting information. Channeling them the right way, right? Give you a chance to channel an anger. Right. Well, I'm saying when you get the information, you may find out you don't even have a reason to be angry. Hmm. Uh, so far as being slow, remember that uh, when we looked at worry. Uh, Dale Carnegie pointed out that before you worry about something, at least take the time to get all the facts. Because sometimes when you get all the facts, uh, you may find out that you don't have as much to be worried about as you thought you did. Okay, now Mark, read that verse 21 through 26. Right after he talks about being slow and, and controlling the anger and controlling our speech and everything like that, uh, I believe now he tells us uh, something about how to do it. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will, be, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Okay, so uh, slow to anger, uh, slow to speak, we think about it, and then he follows that up with uh, uh, receive, with uh, one translation says, receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your soul, and so uh, the way I understand that is that 
the way our personality has changed is as we study God's Word and we receive it and embed it in our hearts and in our conscience. And as God's Word becomes part of our thinking and part of our conscience, uh, then we begin to respond to things in a different way than before it did. And then also the, the admonition there that we're blessed in doing the Word uh, and the individual that can know what the Word says. And here we're talking about what the Word says about anger. Uh, that is compared to an individual that uh, looks in a mirror, uh, sees what needs to be done, and then walks away as if nothing happened. That we look into the law, and in this case we're looking at what the law says about anger, and he says after we look into God's word, and we see what God thinks about it, he says number one, just because you're angry you don't have to sin. Number two, be slow to anger, and then we're going to see that number three, uh, a lot channel your anger to cause you to do right things. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we'll look at when we see look at God is that uh, we mentioned that anger has a a good potential. Anger has been the motivating force of a whole lot of good that's been done in the world. Uh, that uh, uh, when when good people become angry uh, at unrighteousness winning the day, then unrighteousness will quit winning the day. In fact, one of the things maybe we've needed in our society for some times is some righteous indignation for some uh, Christians to realize that it's not unchristlike to become angry uh, and that God did not make us as stoics. Uh, and to show your anger at displeasure at something that's done that's wrong, there's nothing wrong in that. And, and sometimes it's uh, we've been led to believe that we should be almost like Stoics, you know, we just don't get mad and, and we don't get angry and things like that. Uh, when in reality we're told to be slow to anger and we're told to channel that anger uh, uh, in a right way. But we're not Stoics and, and the emotions of a, are a part of our creation. Okay, um, the uh, next, anybody else want to comment further before we go to the next passage? Okay, Martha, did you want to go? A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Okay. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. Um, I don't know how many of you have had the experience of working for somebody that was hot-tempered. If you have, you know it's not very pleasant. And, and you know that if you've uh, uh, had the experience of even being around people that are hot-tempered. And I think of hot-tempered as the opposite of slow to anger. Hot-tempered people are not pleasant to be around. Uh, you you kind of tiptoe around them because you know that the least little thing will set them off. And, and no one of us really, uh, in fact, there are some people that there are things that we would like to say to them uh, that we think need to be said, and we don't. Because we, we feel they're so hot-tempered that they'll blow up, and so we have a tendency just to draw back and, and not even say things. Uh, Mark? That kind of reminds me um, something that uh, many other pharmacists have noticed is that let's say that it's just really busy and and people are having to wait longer than normal for their prescriptions. Well, all it takes is one person to just blow up and start start 
start something, then all of a sudden everybody else is starting. <laughs> yeah. Starting something. I mean, you, can't get, you can't get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> it takes one person to start it. And then, and then all of a sudden you've got all kinds of people all over you. <laughs> I think what you have One probably, person goes, these people, right? So I mean, slow. they'll say, I can't believe I've had to wait this long. And somebody else says, yes, you're ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it just starts all over the place. I think when he says, like a hot temper man calls it dissension, I think that's a good illustration. You have people sitting there who maybe are a little angry, but they're controlling it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then somebody turns loose, and then they, there's a tendency <laughs> to... Eight, uh, how many times has one angry person stirred up a mob, you know, to do, do something that's wrong? A lot of times people just... Um, little children, too. Little right. children, you'll find it, and you they really get mad, kick, knock, and then you say... I told you not to do that. And they come with little loving arms forgiving right away. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think sometimes parents are, now that you mentioned children, I was going to mention the adults, but I think children too. A lot of times they excuse the child or even adults excuse themselves sometimes by saying, well, he's just got a hot temper. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, I was reading from one man one time that I thought really made a good point. He said, if you would make yourself say, I'm just, instead of saying, I've just, a lot of times people say, oh, I've just got a hot temper, you'll have to excuse me, to make yourself say, instead of saying that, well, I just don't have any self-control. <laughs> I don't have enough I don't have enough in me to, to control myself, you know. And that people, you know, if, if you really said that, then you wouldn't excuse yourself very yeah, Because the truth is, we all get angry, and we all have temper. The difference is when we control it. And, and the more accurate phrase would be... But don't you think, I mean, just like my children, I mean, Chris is a lot hot, more hot-tempered, to use that phrase, than, than the others. I mean, he just... I mean, one one thing will bother... I mean, he gets angry quicker and than, than the other two, I mean... I feel sorry for the other two. <laughs> Chris is the oldest yeah. now, isn't he? No, he's the middle. Middle. Middle, okay. It's that middle um, child syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, well, he was like that. Mm. <coughs> I think people are predisposed to maybe just Emily different personalities. Yeah. I believe anger, according to everything I've read, is a natural emotion that just takes place. We don't even have to think about it. Anger is something we don't have to develop at all. It just takes place. It's something we have to learn how to control. And I think that uh, with a child, anytime they display something that's not right, I think they ought to be corrected every time, you know, but you can't get angry yourself when you're doing it. But then what we, you know, tell teachers, like whenever they do control it or whenever they do whatever you want, really compliment them. And, uh, the, and that's on anything you're working with a child on, that whenever they do, I don't care if it's one time out of ten, just compliment the dickens out of them whenever they, whenever they do that one thing. But still, uh, I think they need to know each time, you know. But... From a standpoint, as they get older, I believe it gets easier because you can explain things to them. Whereas a little child, you know, many times it's the explanation is pretty hard to come. Uh, one thing he noted um, in one of the sources, and I can remember this in just observing the kindergarten and pre-kindergarten classes, uh, little children are selfish. And, and you put two little kids in a playpen together who are preschool, 
And they're liable to hit one another over the head with whatever they can get a hold of. They'll bite one another. They'll pinch one another. You know, they don't, uh, they'll just really go at one another. They'll display all kinds of anger. In other words, they really have to be taught, you know, to, to be different than that, I think. We get our temper from Mo. <laughs> <laughs> She's telling on you. <laughs> I said, we get our temper from Mo. You used to be real, get angry real easy, didn't you, Ma? Yeah. I, I do, I do <laughs> some. <laughs> I don't have it now. Tell them the good. Bible says that the parent will not bear the sin of the children. So listen. She's blaming her temper. <laughs> Tell her if she had kids like you had, you, she might have gotten mad too. Boy, <laughs> right. pause down on you, Brenda. Oh, I'm just kidding. Hey, Hanging there with the elderly tonight. Okay. One of our Sunday school teachers that was always saying he had a short fuse. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think it is different with some people. I mean, I think it flares up easier in some people. That's what he is talking about. Well, there's milder-mannered people, and I, I think everybody can control it, or God wouldn't expect yeah. us to control yeah, I it. But too. I think you're right. I think there has to be something with personality. I think personalities. it's easier for some people. And maybe something somebody. else is harder for them. You know, I don't, I'm not sure how that works. But, I think but, but right. you still have a, a thinking process, I mean, there, that, uh, that's involved in it. Uh, well, I was thinking about that, Paul. I've had things... Uh, I've... Uh, I had things to happen that so quick and and just feel angry so quick. I, I was trying to think about him had time had to time think. Time. Oh no, that's what I mean. You don't. I think that angry. That's what I mean by natural response. That that anybody is being dishonest if they say they don't have anger because when somebody does something, the natural response is those emotions of, of displeasure over what happened is what we call anger. And then I'm saying it's what we do, what we do with it from that point on. Oh, okay. I guess I kind of miss, miss, got that right. I thought when you were talking about the thinking process, I thought you were meant that there was always a thinking process before anger no. flared. <laughs> no, I think it comes in the thinking process. I think it process. can be that way, but I right. think it can be the other way too. But but you can develop the ability to not speak real quick even though you're mad yeah. as a dickens and uh, and the the thinking process begins to kick in after whatever then you begin to ask yourself well maybe there was a reason that he cut in or whatever because it is I, but <clears throat> the momentary thing is I think anger and I think that's why it says be angry and then sin not there's the assumption there's going to be times when you you know you just do get angry because sometimes there is the thinking process before the anger because sometimes you don't get angry immediately about a situation then uh -huh. when you get to th if you let yourself think about it and get thinking about it you don't yeah, I've had times where I didn't realize I was took to the cleaners until I thought about it <laughs> and then you then you've got to really um, deal with it Oh, uh, let's see, who had 15, 18? Martha, Martha just read 15, Oh, okay, 1632, I should say. And then Proverbs 29, 11. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. Okay, here you go. Read it again, Read it again, because I can hear you, honey. 
Better a patient man than a warrior. A man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. <coughs> okay. So he's saying it's more impressive to be a patient person and control your temper than to be a warrior that takes a city. Okay. Next. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps control keeps himself under control. Okay, so there again... I'm a wise man. Uh, there again, he's, he's, uh, he's saying it's something he can't be controlled. He says a, a fool uh, gives vent to his anger and a wise man keeps it under control. I think a lot of, uh, in a lot of this, education is a real part of, I think of uh, the young people who watch sports. And some of the athletes that uh, that really just blow up and do bad things and all, and they see that many times as acceptable behavior. You got, I mean, you got like a coach like Bobby Knight that's considered one of the best basketball coaches ever, and he blows up and uses bad language and picks up chairs and uh, throws them across the floor, and yet he keeps his job and, and, and continues on. And what the child doesn't often recognize it. Bobby Knight is not a great coach because of his anger. He's a great coach despite his anger. You know, he's, he, he's a very intelligent person and a good coach, but his, his anger has really cost him. And, and over the years, there's been a lot of top athletes that did not go to Bobby Knight in Indiana because of his anger. And so we don't know how much better that he could have been uh, had he not uh, been an individual that was so, so quick-tempered. But again, that statement in Proverbs that a a fool or a foolish person is one that just simply vents his anger. Uh, that somebody that's wise uh, controls their spirit and, and controls the anger itself. I notice as I get older, though, that I'm, I'm more, I, I get angry more. I mean, I, I say things, you know, like at the politicians and stuff. I know Jim gets tired of listening to that. Oh, you know. And I, I realize that I didn't used to be that way. And is that because, what's the matter with me? What's the matter with me? Keep in mind, Sissy, it may not be, keep in mind, the anger itself is not sin. I don't know how you could what, some of know about all our politicians and not, and not get a little angry. I was, I'll get angry too, Sissy, if that uh, makes you feel better. When I, uh, when I see something that, that the politicians have, have fixed up something like uh, this SS, uh, this Social Security SSI, uh, where you've got people that become disabled through drinking and doing drugs, and then they get their SSI and they use it to continue to buy their drink and the drugs. And we find out that, uh, that our government is subsidizing more than any group in the whole country, the buying of drugs and alcohol through the SSI program. And then you read about the other things. And you see, you read about the pork barrel people and all of that. So I think that if you care about our society and you honestly feel patriotism for this country, I think it would be only natural uh, to get angry at some of the things that's done. But then the, the next thing would be not to blow up but that anger can do some positive things. The anger might cause you to make a decision that I'm going to vote, and, and I'm going to vote against that person. And he may even say, I'm going to talk to some other people and see if well, I can't persuade them to vote. It may cause you to write a letter 
you know, that would cause that person to think twice before they did it. But if you didn't get angry, you may not go vote next time. You may not talk to anybody else. You may not write that letter. And so it's the, I don't see the anger at some wrong thing, because God gets angry at wrong. It's uh, if you don't channel it. And, and if you just walked around feeling angry all the time, it would hurt you physically. But if you allow that anger to motivate you, then I think when you do something constructive with your anger, you actually feel good. You, you have a good feeling afterwards if you take, take the anger and you do something constructive with it. Is irritation and anger the same? It's a form of anger. Yeah. I'd say you'd have to get angry before you get irritated. Um, and again, I don't think you can keep from being irritated. Uh, when somebody does something that you believe is wrong, and, and they seem to willfully be doing it, you're, you're going to become irritated. Okay. And, uh, but then the question is, what do we do with it? And I'm saying the ability to become irritated is actually good. Because then that can, you can use that extra energy. In other words, when you get angry, you have more energy than you have at any other time. I was reading on one of the sources, and it says when you get angry, when your blood is, when your heart's beating faster, and your blood pressure's up a little bit, and you've got these hormones going into your system, it says your brain is as alert as it's possible for it to be. And so you're just super alert, you really feel good, you've got more energy than you normally have, you've got more physical strength than you normally have. In other words, uh, you're being equipped to do something. And so if you go ahead and do something, you... And it falls out, you never have to do another one. It kind of irritates me, but I never say, I don't ever use a bad word. I just say, well, well that's, that's exercise. try it again. Yeah, <laughs> those are all forms of anger. Yeah, it irritates, but what you're doing is you're controlling it. That's right. That's you're saying right. that, number one, at best, that happens to everybody. You, you didn't do it intentionally. And, and the problem, you, you almost wish that something else did it. <laughs> you know, you, you know you can, what are you going to do, hit yourself another time? <laughs> so it's, to, it, it, it's defeating to be self-destructive. And so what you're really doing is you're thinking the process through, and you're thinking, well, it's silly. That's to right. say something bad, you know, and, and it is right. You, you, it's silly. Why should I say something that's wrong and I'll regret? And so, really, you're doing exactly, I think, what he's asking. You're you're thinking the process through, and you've already made your mind up on that. Uh, some passages. Uh, Just turn around, and walk away from it. Some passages with uh, cool down. <laughs> uh, God and I, for time, for lack of. Uh, time, we'll, we'll just use, I'll just, you're familiar with the passage, you can check it uh, in Luke 14, 15 through 24 uh, Jesus gave an, a parable and in this parable uh, the master is, is God in the parable and he, uh, he sent his servants out to invite others to come into the house and, and for the banquet and they went out and everybody made excuses and so here the master has actually prepared this great, great banquet for everybody, and they don't even appreciate what he's done. They make excuses. And so he says, uh, to go out into the highways, the byways, so that my house may be full. But before it said that, it said the master was mad, and he was angry. And so that when God, the way I understand the parable there, Jesus had come, the Messiah, to the Jews. 
And most of them were rejecting him. And he was going to die for all mankind. And so when God loves us so much that he's willing to send his son and to die for us and to offer us the, the free gift of eternal life, and we don't have time to even consider it, that he talks about God being angry at that. That uh, And, I mean, here are the Jews dead in their sin, and they don't even have time to consider the Messiah that's been promised to them. And so it, it says the master there was actually mad, that he's angry. In Romans 1.28, the statement is made there by Paul that the wrath of God is going to come on the ungodly. And so, on the one hand, God hates sin, but he's slow. The Bible says he's slow to anger, and he's patient. And Paul said he's not willing that any should perish. But on the other hand, he's given Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. Uh, the very fact that we're alive is evidence of God's patience. And if people can look that in the face and reject it and all, then they will experience the wrath of God. In other words, that uh, there's nothing, God is indignant and he's angry at the sin. At the same time, he's being slow to display his anger. He's saying, I'm not going to go ahead and just destroy you, uh, that I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent. But then Paul said, for those that didn't, they would actually experience the, the wrath of God. As a society, we do that. We, uh, we first start with juveniles who have done wrong, and we're patient with them, and we're understanding, and we give them a second chance, and we give them a third chance. And finally, society says, that's it. Uh, you're going to experience our full wrath. We're just going to put you in jail and lock you up for good. That, that, that you have demonstrated that, uh, you know, that you're not fit to, to live in society. And so society generally is, is very slow to anger there. It's very patient. And then it reaches a point where uh, the wrath says, no, wrath is all uh, this individual understands. And I think that's true. I don't believe that a policeman sins personally when he takes a life in the line of duty. Uh, that there are some people that, that uh, all they understand is force. And so if they won't respond to anything else, then that's, that's what has to be administered there. So there's good uses for wrath. It can motivate us. It can give us energy. Uh, there is a time for venting the wrath in the right way. But on the other hand, it is such a powerful force uh, that it's sort of like an extra sharp knife. That extra sharp knife can allow you to do the job in half the time that a dull knife will. But on the other hand, it can do damage twice as fast as a dog. And the same with a gun. Uh, it, it can be that, that very good gun it can do the job great, or it can do a whole lot of damage. And, it, and, I, and I look at anger just like a gun or a knife. It's something that, that is neither good nor bad. But it can be either good or bad, uh, depending on the individual and the way he uses it. And that's the way that uh, the Bible deals with anger all the way through. Any closing comments or questions by anyone? And remember again, number for reasons for learning to control it, one reason is selfish. That uh, the condition of your own heart and your health and things like that are, are going to be determined. If, if a person doesn't control anger, he's going to hurt himself you know, all, all through life. And then on the other hand, to learn to think through the process so as to be slow. 
and then on the other hand realize that anger really gives you the ability to do some things. You, you'll probably, if you're really mad about something, you probably have the ability to work longer hours and be more efficient while you're working. Any comment? Okay. Close for tonight. Good lesson. Good. Good lesson, Good. Thank you very much. Okay, and next week we'll take depression. Depression. Next week. Did you just get back today, Paul? Yeah. Uh -huh. We had, uh, we, uh, apparently, I guess, well, because Danny wasn't there, it wasn't announced. I thought that uh, I'd ask him to announce Wednesday that, uh, you know, we'd have the class and all tonight. But then I was, you know, I remembered that uh, David's not used to making the announcements, and he probably, or Carolyn probably forgot to just put it on the Yeah, I called you know. Carolyn. And she said, because they didn't announce it last night, and I, right. I didn't know for sure. But she knew that we, they had, and then I, I knew Danny would be, uh, of course, I didn't know how the situation would go with him, but I knew that's where his mind would be and all. You know, like when we pick up our little Kingston newspapers, and just 10, and how many did you read yesterday about the people that were drinking and driving, and they just keep dismissing it and dismissing it and dismissing it. I mean, I just, I, I don't understand. I don't know whether it's a judge or what it is, but... They, they do the people such a disfavor. I, I wish, you know, that I could persuade judges that some of these young people, if they're going to stop them, they're, they're going to have to let them realize that what yeah, they're doing is, there has to be some consequence. Um, they don't do anything. No. What it is on some things, and I don't know on the particular instance, but I know that I used to talk with the judge in Grundy County because I'd get real disturbed that they didn't uh, do things with some of my truancy problems that, that uh, we had. And we had kids that were perpetually absent, but then when they come, the child is generally behind a year or two. He doesn't know what's going on. Well, he's a discipline problem. You take a child that's behind in school, and has poor attendance, and he will invariably be a discipline problem. And and so our concern is for the child, and then also for the rest of the class. But then when I talked to the judge up there, uh, this Judge Lane had been there for years, and he said that uh, that he said it, said Paul to tell you the truth. He said even when I tell him I'm going to do such and such, he said all I'm doing is bluffing. He all said that bluffing. That he said the the detention places were so full of people who were violent and a real problem and who were on drugs and everything that they just, that for what they would consider normal misbehavior uh, for teenagers and all, that they're probably, unless it was a real repeated thing, he said nothing would happen. He said they, they got all they can handle with the drug problems and the people that are really violent, you know, and cause problems for others. But on the alcohol, that's always been hard to understand. I mean, these uh, that we wouldn't tolerate somebody running around with a loaded gun shooting it, and yet we will tolerate people that uh, this drink and drive. Man, last night on uh, prime time or one of those, he had had uh, ten, 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 yeah, 
and then he kills someone. And so they, they put him in penitentiary for life, didn't they? Didn't it say it gave him life? Gave him life. Yeah. But, but the sad thing is that he had to kill somebody. The yeah. jury's been doing it all these times. The lady that did the founded mad mothers against drunk drivers, well, what had happened there is that her child was killed. And then after the child was killed, she found out that this person had already been arrested five times for drunken driving. And, and he just constantly was let out. Well, that's what uh, caused her. But a, a good example of anger doing good, that she got together a bunch of other mothers, and uh, they did more to stiffen uh, the penalty than anyone else that I know of in my lifetime in Tennessee.